Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Tampa Bay Buccaneers from the 48-yard line. Second down, 13. Brady lobs one downfield. Caught ball by Gronkowski. Inside the 20 to the 15-10. Gronkowski to the 5 to the 4-yard line. Holy Gronkowski. <laughs> Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Those up the middle. It's intercepted at the Derek 30. Brooks. Derek Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 25-20. Derek Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. Yeah. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, baby! This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Back at you today for episode 148. And that'll do it for the Buccaneers on primetime. This year, they finish 1-3 over four primetime games. Thank God the Raiders game was flexed back. I don't know how that one would have turned out if kickoff was after 7 p.m. But last night's Monday night football game against L.A., the results looked like this. The Rams are now 7-3. They finished with a score of 27. The Buccaneers' final score, 24. And they move their record to 7-4 on the year. You know, before we really break this game down, I just need to say it. Um, you know, I guess the silver lining is that the Buccaneers were very much in this game against one of the best defensive units the NFL has to offer. We're not going to come in here on this show like I've seen a lot of social media and say that, you know, let's blow it up. Let's start again. Let's let's just start over. Bruce Arians needs to go. Like, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't know where that narrative is coming from. I know the expectations with Tom Brady and, the expectations with the hype around this team were really, really high. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I wasn't one of those people with high expectations. But the fact of the matter is, they're still positive by three games. They are seven and four. Thanksgiving is this week. And um, yeah, like I, I, I don't know, man. But a disappointing loss nonetheless. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host as always, Red Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, it, it's it's going to be a long week. Um, not really for me, per se, but just to see everybody completely melt down. Um, that, that's what's going to make it a long week. And, you know, like you said, Thanksgiving week, let's just be thankful. Um, that's all I got. Yeah, well, the Buccaneers have Kansas City next Sunday at home, and um, <laughs> they're going up against Patrick Mahomes, who I'm sure you saw the news. He, he plans on smothering his Thanksgiving uh, turkey and ketchup. Oh, God, God. What a freaking nature, dude. Like, I, I don't understand that. I, 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 like, he puts ketchup on his steak, and I'm like, are, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. Oh, man, I, I don't know. I, I love Patrick Mahomes, but, jeez, man. What a weirdo. And it's a shame because that weirdo is probably about to put 500 yards up on this defense. But let's just talk about the reason that we are here. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday Night Football defeated by L.A. in a very close game. And before we get into the game breakdown itself, I just wanted to give a really big shout out to my man, Jared. He is on Twitter at RiderDieTB. Um, he got me into the game last night. A couple of days ago, I was at work and um, I'll just be blunt. I was having a shitty day, right? And I get a text message says, hey, man, do you have any plans for the Bucks game tomorrow? Are you free? I've got three extra tickets, haven't asked anybody else, and I'm looking for people to go to the game. So, you know, he listens to the Bucks break every week. He's a really big bone listener, and so he reached out to me on Twitter, hooked me up with some tickets for the game, and I am incredibly grateful because, you know, I, I didn't think I was going to be able to see any games in person this year. So, once again, big shout-out to my man, Jared. Really appreciate you, man. And, uh, you know, win, lose, or draw, I really did have the time of my life being in Raymond James Stadium last night. So thank you again, my man. I really did have a great time. want to remind everybody really quickly, though, that this podcast is brought to you by your friends over at betonline.ag. Game spreads and totals, the team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And, of course, they've always got their online casino platform as well, which never, ever closes. So if you're looking to make some money at 3 in the morning when everybody else is shutting down, you can head over to bet online. So make sure you get to betonline.ag today. 
Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses that they have got going on. Once again, bet online, your online sportsbook expert. Get out there and make some damn money. We got some stat lines from Monday night. Tom Brady. Let's just kick it off with TB12. 26 for 48, 216 yards, two touchdowns, and then two interceptions. Could have been three had Mike Evans not played all pro cornerback for one rep. Um, But just a bad night for Tom. Evan, what do you make of Tom's night, and what do you make of this offense as a whole? I mean, I think, just like you said, it was a, a bad night at the office. Um it seemed like he just wasn't really reading the the defense as well. The Rams were really disguising a lot of things and just wasn't able to to read the coverages right and you know just just went went deep a few few more times than he should have. Um, you know the two interceptions were on the art were on passes that were fifteen plus yards and the one near interception was on a deep ball as well. So um, yeah, just like you said, not not a good night. Um, but I I think people were are still just jumping ship on this guy way too early. Um, and just, he's been like a top 10 quarterback in the league this year. And he had a bad game. It, it happens. Uh, he, he'll rebound from it. You know, yeah. uh, Kansas City's defense is not that great. Hopefully he's able to rebound there. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the Rams, uh, they're the be- one of the best defenses in the NFL for a reason. It's not like, this is some slouch defense, and the Bucs just underperformed. I mean, I, I saw a lot of people that weren't even thinking the Bucs were going to score 24 points. And in the first half, the offense was really clicking. And in the second half, you know, the Rams are one of those best teams uh, at halftime making adjustments. I mean, that's the reason Sean McVay is now you know, 32-0 and when leading at halftime. He's never yeah. lost a game when the Rams – the Rams have never lost a game under Sean McVay when they lead at halftime. I mean, even that that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I had tweeted uh, when the Rams got that that field goal to end the, end the half. I was like, oh, well, game's over. And people, of course, took it way too seriously. Um, I wasn't serious, but it ended up being a three-point game anyway. So those points were were pretty big. Um, but, yeah, just this offense, just, it seemed like they were clicking, and then they weren't. And once they stopped, they just couldn't get anything going. Uh, the defense gave them opportunity after opportunity in, in the second half. And they just weren't able to get it done. So um, definitely a, a disappointing night. But the the, the sun came out today. Um, there's still, you know, time goes on, life goes on, and there's another football game to be played, another opportunity to to right the ship. So I, I think it's it's not all doom and gloom as people say, but it, it was a very sluggish night. Absolutely. And you know, one of the stats I had seen floating around actually regarding Brady and the deep ball last night. I think he was like one for 18 or one for 17 on passes over 15 yards. So, you know, what we saw from this offense last night, slow start. I'd say they woke up around the second quarter, but the short passing game was working incredibly well against L.A. I mean, like I said, they woke and up the, in the, the second. Quick, the quick passing game as well. I exactly. Mean, they were like running, they, they running woke those, up... those screens, the curls, and they just abandoned it. Exactly. When they moved away from it, that's when Tom struggled. He, he, you know, and it happens. Quarterbacks play bad games. We've talked about it here on the show plenty of times before, but the glaring issue with this was the deep ball, was the attempt to, I don't know about force the ball downfield, but sometimes it felt a little bit unnecessary when they took a shot. Tom Brady threw the ball damn near 50 times, which in a game that close, I mean, you know, it wasn't like the run game really got going. I think they ran a total of 17 or 18 times between Fournette and Rojo, but you still don't like to see Tom Brady drop back 48 times. But Brady just wasn't hitting anything deep. Like, that that's what it was. You know, they had A.B. open a few times. He beat his man, would have been a touchdown. Tom overthrew him. You had Mike Evans deep a couple of times. Tom overthrew him. And You know, it's a combination of play calling. They got away from what worked, but Tom certainly didn't help. And that interception at the end to seal the deal was the major disappointment to make this a loss on the record. There's a couple other things I want to talk about really quickly. Let's highlight some more silver linings from that offense. Antonio Brown had one of his bigger days as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Leading receiver on the team, eight receptions for 57 yards and some pretty damn impressive catches at that. And then Chris Godwin as well. He was right up there with him. Seven receptions and 53 yards. And I believe Mike Evans also had a pretty productive day as well when you look at it in terms of, you know, how those other guys did too. Um, 
yeah, man, uh, you know, I wanted to ask a little bit about this play calling because it seems like at this point in the season, we did see the offense have a little bit of success between the second and third quarter last night, but are they just too predictable at this point? Like when does Byron Leftwich need to kind of hand over the play calling duties? So that's something that I don't think is going to happen. I, I just, I really don't. Um, Bruce Arians has made it clear that he believes in Leftwich and he doesn't really want to call plays. So I, I just think you got to hope that he just comes up with some better game plans. Uh, it, it's, it's weird because I like their game plan in Carolina, and there were parts of their game plan last night that I liked. But it's just like you said, it just it, it gets so stale so quickly. Yeah. And when a defense figures it out, they are just so slow to adjust to anything, and it, it costs them. Uh, I mean, it, it really, really does. Um, I wanted to point out one more thing on the Antonio Brown stuff uh, before. I forget it. So there was a deep ball where Brady threw it. Brown was open, and it hit Brown in, in the on the, oh, finger the fingertips. Tips, man, he he probably should have caught that ball. Um, that's probably probably needs to be a catch. Uh, it was it was a it wasn't the best thrown ball, but it was a decent enough thrown ball. So that probably needs to be a catch. But I mean, you know, you're right. Brady just missed guys down the field. But why are you throwing it down the field so much? Exactly. Um, just like when you said, you know, I, it sounds so weird to me to say, oh, the throw it short, the, the, the short pass game. That, that sounds so weird to me, but that's like what it was. Uh, they were doing a lot of quick screens. They were gaining, you know, not big yards, but four, five, six yards. Um, and then they, they were doing quick curls on thir- third down. Their third down offense in, in the first half was very good. Um they were converting on a lot of them and it extended drives. And that's why they eventually they took the 14 to seven lead. But um, I mean, then they just went away from it completely. And it, it seemed like, I don't know, there was what, I mean, a minute 45 and you had a timeout um, and, and you're, you're, you're running Cameron Brayton, who's not the better vertical threat. Rod Gronkowski is the better vertical threat. You're running him on a seam route. Um, when you have when you're at midfield and you know you need a field goal to tie the game, uh, I don't I don't understand that at all really. But um, yeah, the the offense, like I said, it's just that's the main thing for me is that um, they're just they they fail to adjust when they need to, and and they came out like you said a little slow. Uh, but then they they started to pick up a little bit. So Dan Orlovsky had actually tweeted out something uh, this morning, and he said it's it's 2020. The Buccaneers ran 67 plays on offense last night. They motioned on six of them. This is coaching malpractice. Now, before I get into that, somebody did point out to me, and, and they they took a screenshot and they pointed out to me because I even said I said. Man, this is what concerns me the most, is that I think the change that this offense needs the most is the thing that's least likely to happen, and that's something with the coaching staff. Whether it's Bruce Arians taking over play calls, Byron Leftwich getting fired, and you just get a new offensive coordinator in there, I think that's what needs to happen, and it's the least likely to happen. So you think Byron Byron should be fired at this point? uh, I think he... I think he can make a case for it. You can make a case. I'm not going to say he should... But I, I think you can start to start to make the case that maybe they should move on or he should have to give up play calling duties. But uh, maybe even a guy like Harold Goodwin could do it. I mean, he's, he's the assistant head coach. Uh, I'd like to see him get a crack at it. Offensive line coach, assistant head coach. So, um, so a, a follower of mine, when I tweeted that, uh, the, I quote tweeted the Orlovsky tweet, he sent a screenshot and, and it was another analyst that – quote tweeted Orlovsky and said, I have no idea where you got six plays. It's closer to half of them. And he said, I'm halfway through the second drive and they've already run motion five times. And the one dude said, ESPN only lists motion as plays that are run while the man is still moving. So that's, that's sort of a a little different there. And Um, I mean, that's, you know, when you, when you talk about, I guess the terms could be misconstrued depending on how whoever interprets it. But like, that's a staple of Brady's game is pre-snap, pre-snap motion, figure out the defense if they're in man or zone and then pick them apart. Like that's motion is what Brady does a lot more than most quarterbacks in the league. So yeah, I can see how that was a little bit, you know, skewed right there. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's um, it's it's definitely it's just weird, you know. It's so so the motion stats were a little bit skewed, right? I'll I'll say I'll I'll give the credit there that they didn't actually run motion only six times. Yeah, like I'll I'll, I'll say that, but um. I just yeah the the creativity's not there. They were designing so many plays for running backs that can't catch the football. Um, I mean I understand some of it's on Brady because Brady likes to throw to backs, and some of it is not designed to go to running backs, and he still throws it there. So it's some of it's on him. But I mean they ran a few screens last night that are just it's non-existent, and um, you know what else is non-existent to me, and this is a big concern: the first down offense. Yeah. There, that is. They're a non-factor on first down, okay? They're either gaining one or two yards. They ain't gaining no more than that. Unless it's play action, and then maybe you get your shot, and then everybody's encouraged. But, I mean, how often do we see this team actually mix it up and call some play action or even a damn pass play out of the shotgun on first down? Even when they're passing the ball on first down, it it doesn't result in success. I don't know what it is, but this team, you might as well start second and ten because it, it just doesn't. It doesn't work for them on on first down. I, I don't I don't know what it is. It really has been an issue. I think all season, and the Rams just do such a good job. They were consistently gaining not chunk plays on first down, but four or five yards on first down. That's what you need. Sets up a second and short, and then he set up a third and short. Maybe who knows? But he just they, I don't know if they were ever in like a second and two, second and one. I don't know if they were. I know there was a few first downs where they you know, on first down where they convert another one. That only happened like two or three times. Um, but I mean, they just never really gotten second and short, and it, it's it's very, I don't know, it's 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 very strange to me, and just um, I I don't know, I, I don't know where where the answer is. Um, I I think the, their offense I think will be good. Like I mean, they're still a good offense. Um, there's still a seven and four football team at the end of the day. Yeah, and uh, I I might go, you know, I'm, I'll talk about it a little bit later, but. It's not time to push the panic button, but it's definitely not encouraging some of the things you're seeing from this offense because really, like, this team needs to be powered by its offense. Uh, that's what they're built for, and right now, they just didn't hold up their end of the bargain last night. It was it was really the, the tail of two halves. Uh, I thought the offense was good in the first half and bad in the second half. So um, credit to the Rams. They, they played a, a really good game, and the Bucks just – they need to be better. That's all. Yeah. You'd mentioned the running backs and they were actually the next thing I wanted to talk about. Seemed like the bucks got the BOGO deal on running backs. who can't catch, you know, well, it, the the one that can catch is sitting on the sideline. So I don't even know. Why that's you take that's what I, that's, that's what I wanted to bring up. You know, there's two guys, LaShawn McCoy hasn't had a target since October 18th. And then Keyshawn Vaughn. I, I can't believe he doesn't seem like a decent option, especially after burning a third round pick on him. I don't know why he's on the bench every single week, but like, what what's the move there? Like, what is what are we not seeing from Keyshawn Vaughn to where he's not on the field? Is it is it Brady trust issues? Like, is it because it really didn't seem like we saw enough of him to garner a negative reputation? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know what he did. <laughs> um, I don't know if he if he took somebody's parking spot or what. I, I don't know because this dude can't get on the field, and it's a wasted third round pick. It, it really is. Um, would have been nice to get maybe another pass rusher with that pick or yeah. another offensive lineman or a back that can actually, you know, make a difference. Um, uh, Zach Moss was picked a few picks after that and they should have picked him and he's making a difference in Buffalo right now. So, um, I don't know. I, but even like Keyshawn Vaughn, yeah, but LaShawn McCoy is there. Like he's sitting on the sideline. He's dressed every week. Like, you can't tell me he's not a better option than Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones when it comes to passing. Rashawn McCoy cannot run the football anymore. Like, that's just, that that's that's really <laughs> passed him by. But it's just, it's, it's I don't know. It's it's very, it's, it's weird because McCoy, like you said, hasn't had a target since October 18th. It's not good. Um and he's just he's the best pass catching back on the roster right now. And that's not saying a whole lot because he's not he's decent, okay? They don't have a pass catching running back. You know, and they he, haven't go ahead. LaShawn McCoy is absolutely not what he used to be. Like you said, he is the best option they have at a pass catching running back, and that's how he made his money. Like in Kansas City, that's what he was. He's a pass catching running back that you can, you know, 
kind of throw to him, lead him a little bit, and then he's going to make a couple of guys miss. Not nearly as much as he used to, but you know, just kind of like what you and I are reiterating back and forth. I refuse Brett, to believe. Can you uh, can, can can you take can you take it for a minute? What's up? Can you take it for a minute? I gotta go do something real fast. Oh, okay. I'll be I'll be right back. See if you listeners. All right, all right, all right. So Evans gonna go do something. Um. Oh, he's actually gonna go do something. Okay. Um. But what I was saying was like you know I just refuse to believe that there isn't a better option there. And when we talked about Keyshawn Vaughn, me personally, I just don't believe that we saw enough of him for me to make a decision to say that he's not the running back that they want on this team. Like it, it really. It really, up to this point, does feel like a wasted third-round pick, but I'd like to see a little bit more of the kid before I go out on a limb and say that he's a wasted third-round pick. It really does seem unnecessary, and I just really hope that this offensive identity can level itself out before the end of the year. Um, But I guess we'll just have to really wait and see what happens. We've talked enough about the offense. Let's talk about this defense in the game that they had on Monday night. Simply put... Uh, The defense couldn't stop the short game from L.A. They were getting torn up on screen passes, crossing routes, underneath, everything that we've seen before. But here's the thing is, uh, you know, we're upset with this defense and the way that they played. But the fact of the matter is they showed up when they needed to. Yeah, maybe they gave up over 350 yards of offense, but three turnovers more than enough chances to set this offense up for points. I know that there was one turnover. Did they have three? Yeah, they did. Did they? They had the Jason Pierre-Paul interception. They had the yeah. Jordan Whitehead interception. And they had the... Um... Oh, what was the last one? It wasn't I a pick. I don't think they had three. Uh, let me hit up the Google machine right here and see if they had three. I'm pretty sure they had three turnovers. There was a there was a Jared Goff fumble. That they came up with, right? No, Jared Goff no. came back. And, and then well, that was the same drive of the pick. I could have sworn they had three turnovers. No, I don't think so. If they did, that's even worse then. Because, I mean, like I said, one of my keys was the forced turnovers. And um, they didn't do that. I mean, actually, they, they would force more turnovers. I, I mean, what I say beforehand? I said uh, that if if the, the Bucks could force two or three turnovers and the Bucks would play a clean game on th- themselves, that they would win this game. If they play a clean game without them two Tom Brady's interceptions, they win this game. It's I, you know, it's simple. This is uh, one they of those did, games. They did enough. This is one of those games where, regardless of two or three turnovers, apparently it was only two. But you know, this was one of those games. Being as tight as it was, the turnover game was going to win or lose you this contest. Like I mm-hmm. heard you, you jumped on with our guys and locked on Bucks to do a game preview with David Harrison. Great stuff, by the way. But um. You know, it really just came down to whoever was going to win the turnover battle. There isn't a big, there isn't a big margin of error in games like this. You know, mistakes are going to cost you, and that Brady interception, the first one, cost them, and they bounced back from it. They were still able to win the game with that last drive. The second one sealed the deal, but up until that point, they were winning the turnover battle and potentially could have won the game. But this defense again. You know, going back to what I had said, they couldn't stop the short game. But another thing as well, there were no, there was no pressure, no pressure at all. Zero sacks yet again. And it felt like whenever Goff had more than three seconds in the pocket, it was just a huge gain down the middle of the field to somebody who was wide ass open, which is the story of the year. It's something we've seen time and time and time and time again. And it's getting pretty goddamn frustrating. Evan, what did you make of this defense? Um, I mean, you're, you're right. They kept them in it, uh, a, a tremendous effort in, in the second half. Yeah. Um, just, uh, I mean, yeah, the, the first half, like I said, it's a tale of two halves. I mean, the, the first half, I really liked what the offense did. They were good on third down and the defense was disappointing. Um, second half it's, it's the opposite. The, the offense can't seem to get anything going and the defense has to spark them. I mean, the, the defense gave up a touchdown in the second half, but that was after the Tom Brady interception. So that that was, you know, that was the Tom Brady interception. Um, yeah. That was that was the first one that they gave up the touchdown on. And then obviously, yeah, you know, it was their job to keep them from not getting in field goal position to, you know, to, to score. Obviously, yes. But uh, and then, you know, the Bucks defense gets an interception themselves. Bucks offense does nothing with it pretty much. Um, but they score points. They get three. Um, only had the ball for 
51 seconds. Uh, four plays, two yards. Nice. Um, but anyways, and then they get another interception, and that leads to the touchdown. So, yeah, they were almost single-handedly you know, keeping them in this game. And it's even more extraordinary because, like you said, there was zero pressure. Um, when they blitzed, I mean, credit to Sean McVay because the Bucks were blitzing a decent amount, and they were doing a lot of cover zero, like we said. Yeah. Um, when we were talking with Ryan on, on Thursday, we were like, ah, eh, they don't really run a lot of cover zero. Um, credit to Sean McVay because they the Bucks did a little bit and the Rams adjusted to it. The Rams obviously were not going to get beat the same way that they were beat by the Dolphins. They obviously looked at the film and said, "Okay, we're going to do if somebody does this to us, we're doing this." Um, so it's a tremendous coaching job, and the Bucks just got out coached in this one on, on both sides of the ball. <laughs> Your scheme is dedicated on playing man coverage. You draft man to man corners, physical corners, big corners. And you play zone. I I do not understand why this defense continues to just throw away halves essentially. Because in the first half you played mostly zone, the second half you played mostly man. What are what is the plan? I, I don't understand why you want to spot a team seventeen points in the first half and say, all right, we'll get them in the second half. What are you doing? It's it, it's getting to the point where I think Todd Bowles is definitely going to be here next year because he's not going to receive any head coaching offers. Um, you know, I I think he's he, he is a good defensive coordinator. Okay, I'm not saying he's not. I'm just questioning why the things that got you to a seven and three record. Why are you going away from them now? Right. You know, in the Saints game, why did you play zone? Why? What is the purpose of playing zone when you have man-to-man corners? Now, I mean, Sean Murphy Bunting has had a rough year. He had a good rookie year. He's having a rough year. Sophomore slump. Uh, Jamel Dean went out with an injury, concussion. That hurt, you know, yeah. not having him. But Carlton Davis is a man-to-man corner, and you're playing him in zone. That's not going to work. It, it's not. The the Bucks linebackers, what's their weakness? Coverage. Devin White's not good in coverage. Having him in zone coverage is not going to work. It just, it, I, I don't, I don't understand the defensive game plan. Yeah, they played much better in the second half, but I mean, like I said, they spotted that team seventeen points. Uh, the Rams were able to get it down. You know, they had a minute left or whatever with uh, one timeout, I think, or two timeouts, and right before the half, and they were able to get three points out of it. Can't happen. Yeah. Um, you know, they got bailed out. Matt Gay missed a field goal, uh, so that would have been even more points. It, it's just they they played better in the second half, but. That, that, that first half defense was just so pedestrian like and it was like they were just playing so scared and the Rams weren't pushing the ball down the field because they didn't have to uh, I believe Jared Goff first took a deep shot in the second half in like the late third quarter and it was overthrown that was his first deep shot of the game like over like 20 yards and because they didn't really have to it was a that, lot that's... of crossers with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup Cooper Cup is like the master of yak. Yeah, uh, because that dude just doesn't go down. That, that I mean, it's impressive, but I mean, they've been a pretty good tackling defense, and last night they weren't. Yeah, that's another thing as well. I wanted to bring up that tackling, but one more thing. You know, it, it seems like that is just the plight of this Bucks team this year is getting away from what they know and what they do well. I don't know if it's an over sense of urgency to try to look like they're making adjustments that just don't work, but. Getting away from what they know and what they do well is what's costing them games this year. And it's weird because, like, it's kind of the new version of Bucks beating Bucks. You know, you get away from what works. They're doing it to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> it, like, it's it really is kind of a weird process. But you brought up the tackling, and I wanted to bring up one instance in particular. Literally, what separated this game? 14 to 14. Couple minutes before halftime. Rams offense is on the field. They don't have a lot of time on the clock. Yeah, a couple seconds before halftime. I think I know what you're talking about. Yak all day. And what can it be accredited to? Wimpy tackling. Sets the Rams up to field goal position. Puts them up 17-14 to before the half. And they went from 31-0 while leading at halftime to 32-0. and And, like, that was the difference. You know, there were more than a couple of instances where we were screaming at the defense because nobody could make a goddamn tackle. And... It just really was, you know, out of character. And no, I don't think it any of it has to do with the adjustments that were made by Bowles. But, you know, between wimpy tackling and getting away from what they know, I really think that's just everything that cost them this game last night. Very frustrating. Yeah. Just, um, 
I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. That that Raiders game was the last time they really played man to man for a full game. Uh, that Raiders game was the last time that Tom Brady could hit a deep ball. I don't know what went off in the desert there, but something happened. I, well, I don't know. You know, we talked about this off of the podcast, and uh, and dare I bring it up here has to do with Tom Brady, and it might be concerning to a lot of people, but it's been said that this is the time of year that he slows yeah. down. It, do, do you yeah. think that's just kind of what we're seeing at this point? Well, I remember, yeah, we were we were talking with uh, James yeah. um, a few weeks ago, and I said that's what concerned me is that this is this is the the, the time of year last year. Um, typically, Brady owns November and December. Uh, in, in his career, he's just been so good. But last year... He started off hot, and I know the Patriots didn't have weapons. I understand that. But last year, he started off hot, and then around week eight, week nine, he started to falter a little bit. But we were talking, that was after the week nine game. So I said that, and then he goes out and you know has four total touchdowns <laughs> or whatever uh, versus Carolina. So um, the one silver lining of Tom Brady is that he is now in the uh, the leader and for past touchdowns of all time. So Oh, yeah, he's going to um, have some breeze by it. Yeah, he's he's going to have probably, yeah. Um, so I, I don't think Breeze is going to get that. I think Brady's going to hold on to that now. So that that's the one silver lining, I guess. Um, Yay. But uh, <laughs> the one thing I would, one thing I did want to point out was uh, a great job by AQ Shipley and Ryan Jensen last night. Kudos yeah. to them. They get my game ball uh, because Aaron Donald, where was he? Was he a player? Did, did he play for the Rams last night? Yeah. I don't know because I think he got one pressure on Brady, and that was it. No no sacks, no tackles, nothing. Um, it's just a lot of self-inflicted stuff, man. I think that's what makes it more frustrating is that the Saints just kicked their butts, right? Yeah. The, the Saints played better than them and kicked their butts. Yes, it was self-inflicted a little bit, especially on the defensive side of the ball, but the Saints just beat them up. This one – it's so close, such a close game that you look at it and you say, oh, if you play this, more zone, less zone, whatever, why are you sending on the deep shots? You're doing it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, this staff is killing this football team right now. And, yes, the Bucks need a pass catching running back. They do. It's not all on the staff. They, they needed, you know, there was a few reps. Alex Kappa didn't have the strongest game. Um, he got beat a few times. I remember that one play that was, I thought it was a fumble. I thought it was pretty clearly a fumble, but Alex Kappa just got blown by, uh, by, uh, Morgan Fox, I think. So, uh, he got absolutely destroyed on that play. He didn't have a strong game. Tristan Wirfs, another great game, but, um, I mean, it's just a lot of self-inflicted wounds and the kicking game was good. Uh, they didn't beat themselves there. It's just it, it always seems to be something, and now this staff just for some reason seems so scared to to take risk. Except on the offensive, where you have a a guy that can't throw a deep ball right now, an offense that can't complete a deep pass, and you're a deep ball offense. Like, come on, like I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know. You, you scored 14 points in the first half against the best defense, one of the best defenses in the NFL. You, you know, using quick passes, screens, quick outs, stuff like that. And then you just, you know, want to take deep shots on third and five all the time. So in the second half, I just, I don't know. And mm, I mean, this game versus Kansas City, it's not going to tell me a whole lot. It's really not because I, I, I don't know. It's just to me, what's going to tell me more is that four game stretch after the bye week. That's yeah. what's going to tell me if this team is actually a playoff team or not. You know, Kansas City, let's be honest, the Bucks will probably lose. Um, I, I, I think I mean, Kansas City's 9-1. and one. They lost to the Raiders, and then they almost lost to the Raiders again, but Mahomes is Mahomes, right? Um, so it's just, I think they're the best team in the NFL. So I, I can't really judge it much. Even if the Bucks lose, they're 7-5. and five. And I know that I said I was going to talk about this before, you know, um, before we started the show, I said I wanted to get into this. So if the Bucks lose, they're seven and five. Then they have the bye week, which is a much needed time, I think, to sort of all right, take a deep breath, reset. You got four games, right? 
four games to make the playoffs. You have to win probably three of them. Okay. They're all winnable games. Yeah, no the, doubt. The Vikings have struggled. The Lions have struggled. The Falcons, yeah, they're division rival, and they've been playing better football ever since Raheem Morris took over. I'll give them credit there. But they're still not a great pass defense. And Matt Ryan, you don't know what you're going to get on a week-to-week basis. So, you know, you play them twice. Even if you split with them and just beat Minnesota and Detroit, you're 10-6 and six and you're in the playoffs. Don't implode. That, 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 that's the storyline. Don't implode and you make the playoffs. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat and you make the playoffs. Are you supposed to beat the Chiefs? Probably not. The Chiefs are the better team. Right, I think the Chiefs are the better team on paper. I think they're the better team, and they'll probably prove it. But then those four games, you're better than the Vikings, you're better than the Lions, and you're better than the Falcons. Beat them. If you beat them, it doesn't matter. And here's the thing: a lot of people are saying, "Oh, well, the Bucks are done because they're going to not they're going to miss the playoffs and all that stuff." I'm not worried about them missing the playoffs. The two teams behind them are the Bears and the Vikings. They're right behind them. I don't see either one of those teams going on a stretch like this that can catch up to Tampa. I know that the Bears are in the tiebreaker, so that's the one you got to really keep an eye on. But the Bears play the Packers two more times. The Bears haven't played the Packers at all. So let's assume that's two losses there. They're 5-5 five and five now. The Bucks are 7-4. and four. So the Bears, uh, they're in a tough spot. The Vikings are 4-6. and six. So the Bucks are three games up on them. I mean, it would have to be a pure implosion for me to to think that this Bucks team won't make the playoffs. So let's let's look at the Bears' schedule here. So the Bears play the Packers, then they play the Lions, then the Texans, then the Vikings, Jaguars, and then the Packers again. So that's a bunch of divisional games where it's going to be tight, right? Uh, the Texans, who knows where you get with the Texans on a week-to-week basis. And the Jaguars, that's probably a win for the Bears. I just don't see the Bears finishing – the best I think they finish is like eight and eight. Yeah. So I and I don't see the Bucks finishing eight and eight. I don't think they're going to go, you know, one and four down the stretch. I really don't. So I I like their chances there. Um, as far as the Vikings go, the Vikings are four and six. Um, yeah, obviously they play the Bucks, so that that'll be a big game. But they then they play the Panthers. Panthers are have been looking decent. Jaguars probably a win, but the Vikings also still play the Saints um, in New Orleans. So, I mean, it's it's tricky because I know a lot of people want to be negative and say, oh, man, this team's in a tough spot. But I think they're still in a very good spot to make the playoffs. They're still likely going to make the playoffs. And, though, I mean, the, the five seed's pretty much out, yeah. um, unfortunately, now. So you're not going to be able to play an NFC East team. You won't have that luxury. Um, you're just not, even though you, you'd go on the road. Um you're not going to be able to play Philly or the Giants or Cowboys, whoever comes out of that awful division. But uh, because the Seahawks, I tweeted this, the Seahawks schedule this is going to be the end of my thing. Kind of the Seahawks schedule is cake. Um, and they're just going to hang on to the five seed or win the NFC West, in which case if they win the NFC West, the Rams, as long as they don't implode, would hold the five seed as they've beaten the Bucks. So uh, Seahawks at Philly versus the Giants. Versus the Jets at Washington versus the Rams at San Francisco. I mean, you got at least four wins there. Got to uh, be. Probably, you know, probably they might go. They might just go six and zero. Probably because I don't know if they're going to get swept by the Rams. So uh, that's a cakewalk there. The one I'm going to look at to end. I'm sorry, I, I forgot about this point. The sixth seed. It's going to be the Bucks or the Cardinals. Okay, let's just assume it's the Bucks or the Cardinals. The Bucks' remaining schedule is versus Kansas City, the bye versus Minnesota at Atlanta at Detroit versus Atlanta. The Bucks are seven and four right now. The Cardinals are six and four right now. Their schedule at New England versus the Rams at the Giants versus Philly versus San Francisco and at the Rams. So that's I mean you play the Rams twice. You play the Patriots again. You know. They're, you don't know what you're going to get with them. I still think they're a tough team to beat. They're not a slouch. And then I think the 49ers are even not a slouch. So, obviously, you probably have two wins there with the Giants in Philly, but the Bucks could very well get the sixth seed. And I think it's either going to be six or seven. But I'm I'm going to lean towards six. I, I think the, the Bucks are going to end up with the sixth seed. 
end of, end, put... end of rant. Sorry. <laughs> I appreciate you laying it all on the table out there. I'm sure there are plenty of people curious about that seeding position. But while we're talking about perspective, I just want to bring up one more thing. And it was a great point that you had made. You look at this Bucks team at week 11 last year. They were three and seven. They are seven and four right now. Sports, teams, it's a process. Okay, look at the Saints. Look at where they are now. As much as I hate those guys and I hate talking about them, their process has worked. They have a combination of things that have worked year after year after year. Has it resulted in a big playoff run? No, but they're getting there. They're owning the division year after year because they have a process that is tried and true and it works every single year. This is the first year of that quote-unquote process for Tampa Bay. We were talking all the way back in week two with Trevor Sykema. And he said, you know, Super Bowl expectations are at an all-time high because not only do you bring in Tom Brady, this is before the Antonio Brown signing, but expectations were sky high. Trevor Sykema, Evan, I know you've said it as well, but were we excited? This is why, this is why I love Trevor. Were we excited this year? Absolutely. Was everybody clamoring for Super Bowl? Yes. I'm not saying that the possibility is not there, but the expectation for the Buccaneers to steamroll this season and for everything to go fluently, I think anybody with a you know 12 and four prediction or higher, I don't want to say they were fooling themselves, but you know you just it's a process, man. And this is the first year of that process. And to be seven and four the week of Thanksgiving is uncharted territory. For a lot of Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans. So for the first time in 13 years, we've been talking about playoff seeding a couple days before we eat our turkey. So, no, it is not time to hit the panic button. It's a process. Trust the process. Oh, yeah. You like that one? Love it. You have a new process to trust because that last one you had was blown (laughs) the hell up. Hey, hey, don't (laughs) don't do that. Okay. Um. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree. So Trevor basically said that this year was about beating the teams you got to beat. And maybe you do beat a team that, you know, is actually better than you. Is Green Bay better than the Bucks? Maybe. Uh, you know, but the Bucks beat them. Is the, are the Raiders better than the Bucks? Probably not, but the Raiders are still in a playoff spot and the Bucks beat them. So I think, you know, Trevor hit the nail around the head. Uh, you got to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. Guess what? Like I said, you're probably not supposed to beat Kansas City, but you got four teams after that that you're supposed to beat getting to the playoffs. You know, everybody's saying, oh, you know, the expectations were Super Bowl. I get it, but you got to crawl before you can walk. Yeah. And this team hasn't made the playoffs in 13 years. Like, are Bucks fans seriously going to be angry if they make the playoffs? And let's say, obviously, if they get blown out in the playoff game, that sucks. But let's say they, they fight hard and lose by six in a playoff game. And get bounced in the first round. Are they? Are you going to be angry? Even if like, we're ten and six and make the wild card, there's going to be people wanting Jameis back. You've you've clamored for this for thirteen years, and you've got it now. And you're going to be. I, I just, uh, what? I don't get it. <laughs> I I I do not get it. But he basically said that you know, Trevor, you can go back and listen with the week the week two. Uh, was it? It was the review show, I believe. Yeah, it was the post game. Um, yeah, the week two review show. Go back and listen to what he said. He he said what I agree with. Next year is the year. I think next year with a full off season, they know what they need to get. Right? I think they. I still think Jason Light's a good general manager. Whatever. Sorry, I know many don't. Whatever. I think they realize what they need to get. Get a few more pieces. Surround Brady. Second year in Arians offense. I I think next year is the year where Tampa can make that big leap. And I think next year is the year where the expectation can be Super Bowl. Um, I, I really do. It's going to be difficult maybe, you know, with the cap crunch, with the all this COVID stuff and, uh, you know, the, the the revenues and stuff and the salary cap. But uh, I think if they're, if they're able to make some moves, able to get a, a few guys. I tweeted out this morning. I said three things that I think the Bucks need to become an elite team. This is just personnel. Not I'm not saying oh fire left which this has nothing to do with coaches. I said a good left tackle. Donovan Smith is average. You're not. Gonna, I don't think you're going to win a Super Bowl with him as your left tackle. An elite pass rusher because we saw just like you said they need it. And a pass catching running back. I mean I think if if you get those three things. I think they are they are a very very good football team and they're very tough to beat and 
Um, we'll see if they can this offseason. We will see. It's uh, The elite pass rush is going to be tough just because those guys just don't become available. But, yeah. um, you know, we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, I, I agree that I understand that the expectations when you sign Tom Brady and trade for Rob Gronkowski and sign Antonio Brown and have this awesome draft, I understand the expectations are oh well, they're just gonna they're gonna go to the Super Bowl this year. Okay, let's let's chill out. This defense is extremely young. They're a bunch of kids, and nobody really has playoff experience. Like Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown. What Ryan Jensen's been in the playoffs a few times. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul's been in the playoffs a few times. Shaq Barrett. Jason Pierre-Paul I mean, got himself Super Bowl, did he not? Yeah, I think Shaq Barrett does too, actually. So yeah. Uh, the Dominican Sioux has been to the playoffs, but other than that, like not many people, you know, uh, the key players, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, uh, you know, Vita Vey, obviously I know Vita Vey is not playing, but, uh, Vita Vey, Carlson Davis, the entire secondary, really, um, you know, the Ali Mark pet, Donovan Smith, these guys haven't been to the playoffs. You know, they, they just haven't had that experience. So, like you said, I, I really like what you said. It's, it's a process, and, and the Saints have mastered that process. Unfortunately, maybe the Bucks' process is a little bit more short-term, short but it is still a process, and I, I think that next year is the year where you can look at it and, and really say Super Bowl or bust. But I understand the frustrations. Uh, I do, and I know that anybody listening to this show right now is probably saying, oh, you know, stop. Because when you get Tom Brady, you know, we're sick of losing and stuff like that. I get it, right? But they're seven and four. When is the last time they were seven and four on November twenty fourth? Like, come on, guys. You know, you know, are they gonna be seven and five? I think so, but who cares? You know, they they're still in a great spot to make the playoffs. I know that the goal is the Super Bowl every year, but the expectation I think couldn't have been the Super Bowl this year. And um yeah, that's that's pretty much gonna do it. I mean, yeah, I, I think that they're a good team. They're they're not a great one yet. I'm glad that we had that encouraging powwow. I'm glad we spent some time and you know, big breath of fresh air, ladies and gentlemen. Um, there is one more thing I want to yell about when it comes to this game, and I wanted to get your two cents more so on this coaching staff before we wrap things up on this week's game review. But last play of the game. Rams punted with 10 seconds on the clock. Uh, two things. Why is Kenyon Barner still out there? And another thing. Why did nobody on the sideline tell him to just take the fair catch and maybe we get one or two plays out of it? I, I don't know what the process was there, but I look, I look directly at this coaching staff because it didn't seem like they even tried to make an effort. You've got Antonio Brown on the sidelines. One of the, I don't want to say one of the most prolific returners, but a guy who has a history of being a pretty damn good punt returner. Standing on the sidelines on a play that, I don't know, dude, you know, low percentage, sure, but good God, what are the chances Antonio Brown pops one over a guy like Kenyon Barner? And then to not take the fair catch, to attempt the return and get three yards game over, like that, that was probably just the worst way they could have ended that game. Kenyon Barner is a decent uh, punt returner and a kick returner, but he's not Antonio Brown. And I don't understand why Brown wasn't out there. It is a 0.01% chance that he's going to return that thing to the house, but he has a better chance to do it than Kenyon Barner. Um, and another thing that a lot of people took issue with, why are you even worrying about the return? Sell out to block that thing. Yeah. You know, why are you – send everybody. Why are you worrying about a return? Just send everybody. You know, and I, I, I looked at it and I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, so I don't know. It's uh, it's weird. <laughs> but <laughs> this coaching staff is the only thing that's consistent about them is that they're inconsistent. Uh, some weeks they come up with great game plans. Um, and other weeks they just they, they can't seem to get out of their own way. And that I think, you know, there's a few things on personnel that I think is definitely holding this team back, and I, but I think the coaching staff is also holding this team back a little bit. And the, the, the scary part to me is that not much is going to change on this coaching staff, like, you know, offensive coordinator-wise, defensive coordinator-wise, head coach-wise, like, not anything's like, they're not going to fire Byron Leftwich in the offseason. They're not going to, you know, unless Byron Leftwich gets a head coaching job, like, they're not going to fire Todd Bowles. They're not going to fire Bruce Arians. And I'm not calling for them to be fired. I'm just saying that, 
I think there needs to be some changes, but I just don't know if they're they're going to make those changes, and I think it's it's very unlikely. So, could you imagine what a guy like Todd Munkin could do with this offense? It'd be fun. I oh mean, man, yeah, it'd, it'd be it'd be pretty cool. Todd, if you're listening to this, Travis, son, I know you know I know him personally, but um, if you're listening to this, still, I don't know why, but um, <laughs> you know, need you back. Uh, you know, I know Dirk Cutter screwed you over, but uh, need you back. So, um, yeah, if, if you're listening, if you're out there, just come on back. You know, be be an offensive assistant and just Byron Leftwich can still have the uh, offensive coordinator title. Just let Munkin call the plays. That's yeah, it. have him holding the clipboard on the sidelines. But, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening with any of our podcast outlets or checking us out with video over on youtube and if you haven't already make sure you subscribe it is the best way to take in the show we got beautiful video a bunch of awesome heads up display stuff a bunch of sponsors flashing at you it really is a great deal go check it out there's a lot of great content over there as well that we do more than just the show you can follow the show on social media facebook instagram and twitter all of those are canon fire podcast best place to go for updates on the show and of course buccaneer news as it happens speaking of bucks news as it happens Check out my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Last but not least, you can find myself on social media, Instagram and Twitter. Both of those are Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. And if you follow me, I will follow you back. We will talk to you guys on Thursday for our game preview show as we break down anything and everything you need to know about this Sunday's matchup with Kansas City. But until then... I'm your host, Rhett Matthews, signing off from my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you next time. Go Bucks! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.